Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses starting with verse 8. 1 Thessalonians 4, 8. And uh, just hearing all those prayer requests today, this really uh, works right into the, uh, the teaching here in 1 Thessalonians when we interact with the world around us. How are we to interact with them? What qualities of our life in Christ do we, uh, should we be following in order to uh, see them come to Christ? And so today's passage really, uh, really speaks to that. And let's, let's read it together just to kind of get an idea here of what we're talking about. <clears throat> Verse 9 starts off with, uh, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are uh, in all Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. So um, this is, uh, this little uh, paragraph here is sandwiched in between uh, what we studied a, a little while back, uh, now a couple of weeks ago with uh, verses 1 through 8, uh, talking uh, about their, uh, Paul's authority and, and uh, sexual purity. And, and then the other side of it is what Milt is going to teach next week uh, about those who died in Christ. How, how does this second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ work? Uh, when people die and Christ comes again, uh, who goes where? <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to that. I already know the answer, but <laughs> be looking forward to that. So, so here right in the middle of that is uh, what our lesson is today. So I put on your notes there uh, the overall theme that, uh, of course, the whole Bible, God is redeeming a people by his son for his son to his own glory. Uh, but then to today, uh, our, our passage within that is the model walk of the believer. Christians should have a right relationship with one another, first two verses we'll study, and with unbelievers in the community, the last couple of verses that we'll study. Uh, and so the, the key verse here is kind of in the middle, but we urge you brethren to excel still more and to make it your ambition to da 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 da, da. so that ex excel still more and make it your ambition. So we'll, we'll take a look at that. Um, so um, it was Paul's purpose from the beginning of chapter 4 here uh, to the end of the letter, actually, to exhort the church to strive for spiritual excellence. And look up 1 Corinthians 15.58. Just turn over there real quickly. 1 Corinthians 15.58. Gives a good, uh, good introduction to what he says here. And he ends that... that uh, chapter 15 with therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable always abounding and there's our word abounding uh, or excelling uh, in the work of the Lord knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord and so he, he directs us to our, our living this life uh, in the light of what Christ has taught us and us obeying his commands. Uh, <clears throat> and as we looked at, uh, now back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 
as we looked at before, Paul's directives came from the authority of the Lord Jesus. And, uh, and obedience to them is mandatory. Let's, let's look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2. And we learn that it says here, For you know what commandments we, Paul and the others that were with him teaching there, gave to you, the church there at Thessalonica, by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So he says, I'm not telling you things that I've made up or things that I think are good. I'm telling you what the Lord has taught us, and I'm coming with his authority. And of course, we see that concept in a lot of Paul's letters. Uh, so so uh, if it comes from the Lord, is it optional? It's not. It's mandatory. So you can fill those things in there in your, your notes. Uh, Paul is exhorting the church to strive for spiritual excellence. And then Paul's directives come by the authority of the Lord Jesus. And obedience to them is mandatory. Now, if Paul was telling the Thessalonians, does that apply to us today? What do you think, Pablo? <laughs> Oh, okay. All right. If, if Paul was telling the, the Thessalonians here uh, that obedience was mandatory to what he was teaching them, how does that apply to us today? In the same way. In the same way, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's scripture from God to all of us. So Paul didn't have a, a monopoly on it there. Okay, well, let's, let's look at our... our uh, verses here. In, in the first, first couple of verses, verses 9 and 10, uh, we're, we're told to love each other more. Uh, now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. So the, the idea here is we're to love each other less, the same as we do today? No, he says more. We're to, uh, we're to uh, love more and more. That's the whole idea behind excelling or abounding or superabounding as uh, we were taught also. And so uh, that's, that's the whole idea of these verses here. So brotherly love speaks of a Christian's relationship with another believer. Uh, and that's established by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, compare Romans 12.10 to that. Let's look and see what Romans 12.10 has to say. We should know that very well after all of our teaching in Romans It says in verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, preserving in, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Oh boy, there's a lot in there. <laughs> but uh, but uh, brotherly love is going to consist of these types of characteristics. And that's what Paul is saying here. Now as to the love of the brethren, that sounds like brotherly love to me. So I gave you a few other verses there too. Hebrews 13.1 and 1 Peter 1.22. Uh, but let's pull it apart just a little bit. Uh, he says, uh, for you have no need for anyone to write to you. So he's, he's indicating here, I, I'm not telling you to start doing something you're not doing. He, he said, you, you're, basically his idea here is, well, well, you're doing this. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. So what is he talking about here? 
Uh, being taught by God uh, evidences a personal relationship with the teacher. So in your notes there, I, I put that down. Being taught by God is, is the evidence of a personal relationship with a teacher. Elsewhere in Scripture, in John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus taught that love for one another and the brethren provided the sign or the signature sign of one's Christianity. And we've been learning that uh, from uh, Pastor Tom's teaching in 1 John as well, haven't we? That this is going to be something that, that is a signature sign. Uh, when you drive in up in the parking lot, uh, there's a sign either this way or that way saying what? Countryside Bible Church. So that's a signature sign of not only the building that's here, but the church that is here, the people, us, that, that are here. That's a signature sign. It's a church. It's just not any sign. It, it's saying there's a church here. There's a congregation of believers uh, in the community here. And so in the same way, um, this love for the brethren uh, evidences, or, or in being that taught by God, shows that uh, here is a sign of that relationship, of that personal relationship with the teacher. Okay. And how much did Paul emphasize that here? For indeed, he says, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in all Macedonia. Remember where we are, we're, we're writing this back to the church at Thessalonica, which is a part of Macedonia, which is a large area up there on the, the uh, top of Greece. What other towns are around there that we know about? What is it? Corinth. Corinth. Philippi. Philippi. Yeah. Philippi was very close up there. And other places that we see in Scripture that uh, Paul and his buddies uh, visited. So Paul here is urging the Thessalonians to love others more, not less. He says, brethren... To excel or, or urge you, brethren, he's, he's calling on their relationship with Christ. He's calling on that relationship that they all have with God. They're all taught by God, the same subject here. He says, to excel still more. Uh, that takes us from wherever we are. If we love just a little bit, he's saying, do more than that. Just keep, keep doing that, but keep doing more than that. Grow in that, as I've taught you. If we love a lot, if we're engaged in as much loving as we think we can do, does that mean we just keep on or we can do a little bit less because we're up there so high with it? No, he says excel still more. So uh, that, that's, a, that's a pretty... Uh, uh, interesting concept to, to excel still more from wherever you are. Don't go backwards, nothing less. Uh, and even the status quo, even as good as it is, where we're at is, is still uh, can be improved on in brotherly love. And that's what the church is all about. And church gives us an opportunity to be able to do that. And so that's, that's a... Uh, Wonderful thought here. Okay. So, um, yes. Yes. Hmm.
Amen. So, you know, brotherly love, and, and building on what uh, Milt said, uh, brotherly love can have different dimensions to it. Uh, I don't have any brothers. I don't have any sisters. I'm an only child. But many of you have brothers and sisters. <laughs> and uh, there is a blood relationship there. But that's not the relationship that uh, Paul is talking about here. He's talking about a blood relationship with who, do you think? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that blood relationship that's established by his shed blood on the cross for us, enabling us to have that relationship with him. And uh, so here we're speaking of the Christian's relationship with another believer established by the blood of Jesus Christ. And... Uh, Paul has this, this family, that family in mind when he's writing it here. And that would be the truest expression uh, of the change of regeneration in the Thessalonians' lives, is that relationship. So that is what's driving uh, their love for the brethren that's being talked about and experienced all through Macedonia is that regeneration of heart because naturally in the flesh we don't do that we serve ourselves we don't serve other people and so there is the evidence uh, yes Excel still more in these areas that are, yeah. Right. Need my space. Good. And in John uh, 6, 45, uh, he says there, John says, it is written in, in the prophets, and it's written in Isaiah, actually, is the quote here, and they shall be taught of God. They shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So there is that relationship with Jesus Christ being taught by the Father. Goes all the way back to Isaiah. That whole concept is all through Scripture. And so uh, Paul just wasn't using uh, nice words here. He was, he was trying to tell them this, this evidence of your personal relationship of being taught how to love directly by God, encouraged by him and others, of course, uh, is, is an evidence of your salvation, that sanctification process that we're going through, that we learned about and Milt uh, pointed out to us today. That's, that's the result. This love for one another is a result of that. So 
Right. So basically, the concept here is really I'm not the one teaching you. I'm teaching you what I think about. <laughs> okay. The second person of the tribal daughter is going to show them sentences. Okay. So, oh, yeah. Right. Right. And so we have to excel at this and practice it because it's not a natural instinct. Okay. So we have to we have to rely on the sanctification process. We have to rely on what God has put in place in our lives through the Holy Spirit to be able to excel still more. And it's only by that relationship that we're going to be able to do it. As you pointed out. That's so true. So uh, all this thinking, I think, is, is evidenced in Scripture and is behind what Paul is saying here. And it's playing out in the Thessalonians' lives. Ron? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and in reality, many times in our culture today, if we stand up and say we're a Christian, people turn away from us. They, do, they don't want to have anything to do with that. And so it's only of the evidence in our lives as people see us living our lives that's going to sometimes make a difference. Okay. And that's a good segue. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what would, be, what, would, what would we do then to, to have examples of this uh, brotherly love? And uh, verse 11, and we ex excel still more, and to make it our ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your, own, with your hands just as we commanded you. And to make it your ambition uh, here the word is, uh, means to be, ambition means to be zealous and to strive eagerly, even to consider it an honor to be able to do that. So it means to be zealous and strive eagerly, even to consider it an honor. So for our own honor? No, it's, it's honoring Jesus Christ. So, uh, and then he, then he says, what's the object of this? So what, are, what are we to be ambitious to do? Well, there's three qualities here. The first one is to lead a quiet life. Well, does that mean to be silent? Well, sometimes it does. There are times to be appropriately silent. Uh, not always, you're right. <laughs> uh, actually, the word uh, itself in Greek comes from a word that means to be silent. Uh, but it means not to speak out inappropriately also. 1 Timothy 2.11 Remaining at rest and tranquil. Luke 23 so in anticipation of the Lord's return, believers are to lead peaceful lives free from conflict and hostility. And I put that there in your notes. We need to be free of conflict and hostility toward others. And that is a witness to the transforming uh, power of the gospel. Our world thrives on conflict and hostility. Just look at the headlines in your newspaper or TV or whatever it is you get input from. Those headlines are designed to major on conflict and hostility. Why? Because that appeals to the flesh. And uh, that's not what Paul is telling us here. He said... Be free from that. Uh, lead a quiet life. So uh, 
Let me keep up with our notes so I don't lose you here. Exactly. Right. We know the end, and we can be assured of that, and we can rest in that and live a life, a quiet life free from conflict and, and uh, hostility. And uh, uh, Paul uh, instructed Timothy in the church at Ephesus to pray for those in authority. And his, his words here are that believers may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So, First uh, Timothy 2.2. 2. And then there's that whole concept uh, in other verses in Scripture as well. So it's a life that does not it's a life that does its best to avoid unnecessary contention. So I put that in there. It's a life that does its best to avoid unnecessary contention and to be at peace with all men insofar as it is humanly possible. And we learn that from Romans. Uh, so that kind of puts a, a Practical. Paul is putting a practical aspect to some of these things that we've learned in Scripture and applying them down to our everyday relationships. Now, you notice that, that, that I put in here unnecessary contention uh, because I know some of you are thinking, well, you know, what do I do at the workplace when such this happens and I don't think it's right? Does that mean we just turn over and let it go? No, it doesn't. We, we contend for what's right in a quiet way. In other words, we, our goal is not to make the headlines in the newspaper. <laughs> our, our, our goal is to see God at work. And so we go about it in that way. That's, that's a tough place to be in. That's, that's where we have to rely on God. That's where we have to rely on Christ. Because we may lose our job, we may lose our friend, we may lose a relationship with somebody in the family, you know, by contending for the faith or contending for what is right. We're going to get there. <laughs> but but that's, that's, that's great. You guys are keeping me right on schedule here. Look at this, what it says. And attend to your own business. Right. Yeah, we're going to get there in Second Thessalonians. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but uh, what, what does it mean to attend to your own business? And I, I kind of put in the notes here, mind your own business. <laughs> well, that's not exactly the, the thought here. Uh, to, it is, but in today's culture, minding your own business means uh, it's kind of derogatory. Well, I don't like what you're saying. Mind your own business. You know, don't talk to me about that. That's not what it's saying here. Uh, it's an admonition to attend to your own business. And it was common in secular Greek writings, actually. Uh, and this is the only place it's used in the New Testament. Uh, uh, the apostle may have used this expression as a general exhortation for the Thessalonians to, to concentrate on their own lives and to take care of their own jobs and not meddle in the affairs of others. Uh, because, uh, uh, and actually, as you pointed out in Second Thessalonians, for we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, Oh my. Uh, and uh, but acting like busybodies. 
Now, such persons we command and exhort to the Lord Jesus Christ to work in a quiet fashion and eat their own bread. Uh, so those who didn't attend to their own business were acting like busybodies. They were wasting their labor, uh, literally is what that means, running around meddling in everybody's problems. They're just wasting their own labor because they're not paying attention to themselves. So Paul's antidote for, this, for that kind of undisciplined behavior was for the Thessalonians to work diligently and faithfully in their jobs to serve fellow believers and glorify the Lord before unbelievers. So that's what it means to mind your own business. <laughs> Don't use that as a weapon against others, just as a reminder to yourself uh, as to how you are to, to work. So then I put in there, work with your hands. And work with your hands. The emphasis is to work, to work actually, in contrast to loafing or the sluggard's lifestyle, Proverbs 21, 25, and many others in Proverbs <laughs> talking about the sluggard. But, uh, but that, that, that is a good one there. Somebody look that up for me while we, while we move along here. Uh, Proverbs 21, 25. Okay. Right. And then many others in Proverbs, but that one encapsulates the whole idea uh, there for us. Uh, and actually, uh, in Second Thessalonians, we'll get to it, but he also adds to that if anyone's not willing to work, what? Then he's not to eat either. Okay. So. The quality of their life was to be quiet, to focus, the focus of their life was to be on their own affairs, and a priority of their life was to work. Where are we headed with this? Look at the end, look at verse 12, so that, okay, we're, we're going to talk about some results here so that you will behave properly toward outsiders. Who are outsiders? They're unbelievers, yeah. So we're talking about how we live our lives to be a testimony to the unbelievers around us. That's the goal here. So we can, we can come up with a list of all kinds of things that we will do to lead a quiet life and not be contentious and to work hard and we can check all those off as we accomplish them and if that's all our motivation is we're, we're not in the right ballpark we're not playing the same ball game that Paul's talking about Paul is talking about excelling still more in our love for the brethren which is one thing and being a testimony to unbelievers, which is another thing, and that's the ballpark that we're in here. Not just checking things off to be good, because we'll never be good enough, uh, but to behave properly towards outsiders as a testimony. Uh, okay, so uh, to mind your own business, to work with your hands, so that, and I put the first reason was evangelistic. They were to have a good testimony for the gospel's sake among the unbelievers in their community. The second reason that's in there is the same. What's, what's the second re reason in there? Verse 12. Behave properly toward outsiders and not to be in any need. Uh, if we're in need, if we have need, I believe what he's talking about here is that, that uh, uh, our community of believers is not able to help us for s some reason. I don't know why. Maybe we haven't accepted that. Maybe we haven't gone to them with a need. Or maybe uh, uh, 
that we are, are being slack in, in what we're doing to meet our need, and therefore we have a need. But either way, it's, it's, a, it's a, uh, again a testimony uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ that in, in the church, uh, we take care of needs of the believers and unbelievers. And if we work hard, God has promised us to take care of our needs. I'm not preaching health and welfare here. I'm just saying that God has promised to take care of our needs. So there is a way, as we trust in him, that he will take care of us. And uh, I believe that's what he's talking about here. If Christians are relying on the Lord Jesus Christ as believers, uh, then that's a testimony to the power of God. And it would be a convincing evidence of who God is and his great love for us, and therefore a segue for the gospel. So I put in there the second reason. The first reason was evangelistic. They're to have a good testimony. The second reason was evangelistic. The best testimony to the power of God would be evidenced most convincingly by one with an industrious walk and an independent life. In other words, not meddling in the affairs of others. And look at 1 Timothy 5.8 when you get a chance to do that there. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. Then we have to work with those people, and again, uh, their need may, may be <laughs> their need may be for the gospel first. Their may their need may be to talk about living a sanctified life first. Yeah, that's right. We have to always be uh, working with discernment. As uh, there's always someone in the church or someone coming to the church uh, from outside that uh, has a need. We've had people show up panhandling at the parking lot out here. Well, I'm not sure that they had a need, though. They, they were just... Uh, Trying to make a little, get a little more money to make a living. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good point. Our, our testimony to the unbeliever is, is compromised. Uh, we're even depending on the unbeliever. Yes. So it's the love of the brethren that we're talking about here. Now as to the love of the brethren, you have uh, no need for me to write to you because God has taught you to love one another. And, and you are doing that, he's telling them. And, and you're doing it in such a way that everybody knows about it in, in this area. And, and that is so good that you need to excel still more in it <laughs> as a testimony to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, he gives it some, he gives it some uh, definition by telling us to lead a quiet life, attend our own business, and work with our hands. Uh, just as we commanded you, he says, I've already taught you this when I was there, and I'm reminding you of this uh, so that you'll behave properly towards those on the outside. Now, if you go through the commentaries, I have to throw this in because different men and different commentaries have different cuts at what's going on here. Uh, some say that there were problems in the Thessalonian church that had come back to the church, and Paul was addressing those problems and that could very well be true there are others who say uh, that that Paul is uh, uh, that that's not true that that they didn't have knowledge of a specific problem in the Thessalonian church but but Paul was was teaching in order to encourage them to be ready uh, for the day of Christ coming for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ which 
Milt will start, start us off in next week. Uh, and so uh, they color their teaching on these verses uh, based on, on a, this being a specific problem or this being something to, to get ready for the day of the Lord. And that's what Paul's anticipating here. My personal opinion is it doesn't make any difference. This is what we're supposed to do. <laughs> for whatever reason, we're taught by God. And this is what God taught us, and so this is what we're supposed to do. And so it's, it's just a literary interpretation, I think, uh, as to what motivated Paul to, to write these things. Uh, and certainly either way, or both, actually, could be true. Uh, Paul certainly doesn't come down on the Thessalonians the way he did on the Corinthians. Uh, so that leads some credence one way or the other in, in uh, how you look at these passages. But nonetheless, the teaching is equally uh, 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 inspired and it's, it's equally applicable to our own lives, either way you look at it. So I just thought I'd throw that out there because if you do any reading on it, you'll, you'll get one flavor or you'll, you'll get another flavor of it. And just, just keep concentrated on what, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> How am I supposed to live? And we see that here. So this is practical. It's uh, straightforward living. Um, it's the foundation of evangelism. Uh, believers who sacrificially love other people and exhibit tranquil lives and conscientiously focus on keeping their own lives in order and faithfully carry out their daily responsibilities in the workplace or wherever you may be, all the while proclaiming the gospel in light of the return of Christ, these, these, this is the most effective witness that we can be to our unsaved neighbors and to our loved ones. So look at the conclusion that I put there in the light of all that we've learned. The gospel teaches men not only what they should believe, and we've seen plenty of that as we've gone through the first three chapters of 1 Thessalonians and, of course, other writings in Scripture. The gospel teaches men not only what they should believe, but also how they should live. And that's what Paul was doing here. He's teaching the church that he loved, that he founded, and, and got kicked out of town, not by them, but by the unbelieving people there. Uh, he loved them. This is how they should live in the face of that and, of course, the way that we're to live in face of our culture today. So um, that's the gospel that teaches us that. The gospel is uh, that Christ died for our sins. He died on the cross. And he was buried, and raised on the third day. And many witnesses there to, uh, to witness to that. Uh, but it's also the sanctified life that we live uh, today in light of all that that happened uh, at Christmas or Christmas at uh, Easter time. <laughs> it started at, at uh, Christmas time. So any uh, last thoughts or questions? Patty and then Joan, I saw your hand. So we're to follow Christ's example in his own life of how he went about his day, starting with uh, prayer and time with the Lord. Yeah, it's good. Gordon? <laughs> oh. Joan, go ahead. You had your hand up.
Right. Uh, and I don't defend myself. I just continue to live that sort of lifestyle. But it is interesting that that person, uh, and people walk through, instead of denying it in this sort of way, they see they do. Uh, but they, they don't get through their life. Oh, well, I'll have my days and see, I'll have my stuff. So it's, it, it's interesting. And again, I don't do it to be, you know, evangelistic, but that is my intention. But I don't think it's good to do it. So it's interesting to see that. So in our culture, our culture is not going to understand the way we live our lives. It doesn't change the way that we are to live our lives one iota, but the culture, the unbelievers, are not going to understand that. Maybe even some believers are not going to understand that. Okay, go ahead. Right, there you go. So that, that's how we, Paul's exhortation is to excel still more in these areas and we will be a witness to the unbelievers as well as the believers. And that may be both in the church and it may be both outside of the church, <laughs> but, our, but our motivation is from the Lord Jesus Christ. Right, yeah. And, and sometimes, maybe, uh, and I'm not saying this about any of us, or maybe all of us, <laughs> uh, it, it may be. That's why we have to excel still more in, in loving the way the Lord has taught us to love, which does away with that pride. And it's going to result in us living a, a quiet life, not meddling in the lives of others even though we may be a boisterous person. And it, and it may be that we have a lot to say. But, but leading a quiet life is that quiet life on dependence on God and not causing contention. 
contention may come our way as we learn in the workplace and every place we go. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's end with prayer. Yes. Oh, is he? Okay. Okay. We'll pray for Jordan. He's not feeling well. Okay, well, let's pray together. Lord God in heaven, we sit uh, here before you. We sit here on the earth, and, and I must admit, I don't, I've prepared for this lesson, but I don't fully understand in every area of my life uh, how this applies uh, thoroughly. Uh, and and that's, that's our nature as, as fallen creatures, but through your power, through your teaching, through your Holy Spirit in our lives, uh, Father, we do want to excel more to be a witness for you. And uh, so I pray that that'll be uh, our motivation, our goal, is for you to do that work uh, in a regenerated heart through the power of the Holy Spirit and the word in our lives as we are obedient to it. Uh, to uh, uh, give us the, the best testimony to believers and to unbelievers. And we pray, Father, that uh, Brother Jordan will get uh, uh, recuperate quickly and uh, not pass around his family and that uh, he'll be back, uh, back uh, with us uh, quickly. And uh, we thank you for the the uh, service to come today as we begin to look in at uh, the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we just thank you for that and anticipate that that will uh, add to our understanding of who you are and how you want us to, to operate in this world today as you've left us here pending the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.